The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... The 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act is 10 years old. What is this law doing for people who are blind or visually impaired? Welcome to ACB Reports for March 2020. On February 24th, over a hundred members of the American Council of the Blind gathered in Alexandria, Virginia for the organization's annual legislative seminar. One of the presentations during that meeting was from Diane Burstein, Director, Consumer and Governmental Affairs Bureau, Disability Rights Office at the Federal Communications Commission. She discussed the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act better known to most of us as the CVAA, along with other activities at the Federal Communications Commission. Diane is the Deputy Bureau Chief for the Consumer and Governmental Affairs Bureau at the FCC and is the head of the Disability Rights Office. Diane is no stranger to ACB and our work. Prior to joining the FCC, she worked at NCTA, the Internet and Telecommunications Association. Right, the, the letters don't even mean what the, the acronym is anymore. And Diane was involved with the process 10 years ago for drafting and passing the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. So ladies and gentlemen, please join me in giving a warm welcome to Diane Burstein. I'm very happy to be here this morning at ACB's Legislative Summit, and thanks for allowing me to say a few words about uh, 10 years of the CVAA, learn what's new at the FCC. A lot of positive change has happened in the 10 years since President Obama signed the CVAA in October 2010, and I was fortunate to be there at that uh, moment, which was really quite something. And this morning, I'd like to highlight some of what the FCC's many accomplishments have been under the CVAA to improve access for people with disabilities, especially those who are blind and visually impaired, and preview some of the steps to come in the near future. First, though, for those of you who are not uh, regularly interested or interact with the FCC, I wanted to provide some background on the Disability Rights Office, or DRO. The DRO is staffed with many dedicated attorneys and analysts, and it's housed in the Consumer and Governmental Affairs Bureau of the FCC. I'm fortunate today to be with two of DRO's finest, Susie Rosen Singleton, who's chief of DRO, and Will Shell, who is one of DRO's attorney advisors, who many of you may know. They are two very knowledgeable members of the team which acts as the FCC's internal expert on disability rights issues. DRO's responsibilities range from helping consumers with complaints about particular problems with access to communication services or equipment, to advising the commission on complex rulemaking proceedings, to organizing the Disability Advisory Committee, to outreach to the disability community, and much more. 
Its subject matter expertise extends to accessibility issues related to video programming, telecommunications, the telecommunications relay service, and emergency communications. Because technology and types of services available are rapidly evolving, we rely on constant interaction with the disability community to keep informed. The national leaders at ACB, leaders like Clark, Eric Bridges, Tony Stevens, and Claire Stanley, and many more, have been a strong and consistent voice and invaluable contributors to inform us about the needs of the blind community. I can't thank them enough and the others who, many in this room, have filed comments at the FCC on our open proceedings. Filing comments is one effective way to ensure that the Commission addresses issues of importance to the blind and visually impaired community. Another valuable way is to file complaints with the Disability Rights Office. We look at individual complaints as well as broader trends to help ensure that our rules are being followed and they are working as intended. Many of those rules arise from the FCC's work implementing the CVAA. The CVAA requires telecommunications devices to be accessible to individuals with disabilities, compatible with accessibility devices such as refreshable braille displays, and usable by individuals who are blind or visually impaired. In addition, the CVAA mandates that internet browsers on smartphones and other mobile devices must be accessible by people who are blind or visually impaired. People who are blind or visually impaired should be able to use internet browsers to find online information, local services or news, equally as well as sighted users. The CVAA also established the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program NDBEDP, also known as I Can Connect. NDBEDP is a $10 million a year program that distributes telecommunications equipment to low-income people who are deafblind. This program continues to provide many deafblind consumers with equipment to help them gain access to the communications network, and the I Can Connect website is replete with incredible success stories about individuals benefiting from the NDBEDP services and programs. The FCC, through its Disability Rights Office, works with 56 different state and local organizations to provide these vital services to the deafblind. Many of the rules arising from the CVAA relate to access to video programming and related devices. For example, the CVAA requires emergency information announced on television to be accessible. As many of you know, the secondary audio stream, the so-called SAP, contains audio description and foreign language audio tracks. But it also contains oral versions of the emergency crawls that are scrolled along the bottom of the screen. If you're blind and watching TV and you hear that emergency information noise, the beep, 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 these alerts tell you to activate the secondary audio stream. We all need to know when there's an emergency and if we should take action. It's important to be able to switch over to the SAP quickly in order to hear the emergency information 
and our rules also require that a quick and easy to use mechanism be available to switch to that emergency information. Because traditional TV is evolving and people are watching video programming in all sorts of different ways today, our accessible emergency information rules also apply to certain cases where you're watching television on a second screen too. For example, if a consumer is using a smartphone or a tablet to access TV programming in their homes, cable, satellite, and fiber TV providers must pass through a secondary audio stream containing audible emergency information on these second screen devices. In other words, our rules require that each cable and satellite company ensure that any application or plug-in that it provides to consumers to access regular TV programming on tablets, smartphones, laptops, and the like are capable of conveying emergency information via the SAP on second screen devices. There are some limitations under the rules that are important to be aware of. The second screen requirement only applies to a cable or satellite's own networks, such as the network located in your home on the broadband connection provided by your cable or satellite company. This requirement doesn't apply if you're on a different network connection, such as viewing TV programming at a, a local coffee shop or in the park. Speaking of the secondary audio stream, right now the commission has a rule that requires the most popular channels to provide described audio on the secondary audio stream. You're an audience that's probably familiar with audio description. However, if you're not, audio... <laughs> many people are, okay. So it, you know that it is audio narrative description of a television program's key visual elements. These short verbal descriptions of action or key visual scenes in a program, such as the setting, costumes, and facial expressions, are provided to add context and are inserted into pauses within the program's dialogue. The description is usually accessed via the secondary audio stream, the SAP. Our rules now require local television station affiliates of ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox networks, affiliates that are located in the top 60 television markets, as well as the top five non-broadcast networks, which um, as of last July, or Discovery Channel, History, TBS, HDTV, and USA Network to each provide 87 and a half hours per quarter of audio described primetime and or children's programming. All of that totals about seven hours per week of audio description on each of these networks. More recently, the FCC granted USA Network a limited waiver of one aspect of the audio description requirements. USA Network showed the FCC that because it airs so many reruns that already contain audio description, and the FCC's rules do not allow many of those hours of audio-described programming to count towards compliance with the 87 and a half hours, it would not be able to meet the required number of hours of audio description. This is because the rules do not permit the networks to count reruns more than twice towards the 87 and a half hour requirement. The commission granted USA Network a waiver of the audio description rules as long as it airs at least 1,000 hours of audio described programming each quarter 
without regard to the number of repeats and describes at least 75% of any newly produced non-live programming that's aired between 6 a.m. and midnight each quarter. Audio description was also the topic of a report to Congress last October, which examined the amount and types of audio described programming, consumer usage and benefits, the costs of creating described video programming, and the need for additional described programming. The report also discusses audio description and video programming distributed on the internet and video on demand. Another set of rules arising from the CVAA requires set-top boxes and all devices that play video programming to be accessible. What the rules require are accessible user interfaces for people who are blind or visually impaired and a means to be able to operate and use all or nearly all of the functions of a device that plays video programming. This includes the settings, menus, channel selection, start, stop, fast forward, and similar features. Most of this is accomplished through a screen reader. There are slightly different rules for cable, satellite, and fiber TV services and all other devices that play video programming. If you subscribe to cable, satellite, or fiber TV service, the provider usually must provide an accessible set-top box experience for people who are blind or visually impaired, except for a few exempt small rural analog-based cable companies. If a blind or visually impaired customer requests an accessible set-top box, the cable company is required to provide the equipment at no additional charge. So if you are paying $50 a month for your service and equipment and you request an accessible box, your bill should remain $50 even if the accessible box is top shelf with all the bells and whistles and would normally cost more. Your provider has to make the process of obtaining an accessible set-top box easy and to have an accessible website that includes a contact person for further assistance. The provider's designated person has to be able to explain how to get one of these devices and how to use the accessibility functions on the device. Many of you already may have an accessible device to watch video programming, but I encourage you to reach out to others to ensure they are aware of their option to obtain accessible devices. It seems that many people do not know that the devices are available or that the current device that they may have in their home already has accessible features that simply need to be activated. It's important to note that cable companies do have some flexibility on how they can achieve accessible user interfaces. Depending on who your provider is, some companies have set-top boxes, while others use an accessible tablet app that controls the set-top device. Still others provide a different add-on. The companies are allowed this flexibility, but at the end of the day, the interface has to be accessible and usable. The Commission has other accessible user interface rules that cover any device that plays video programming, like TVs, smart TVs, tablets, smartphones, removable media players, things such as Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire Sticks, computers, and even minivans, if your minivan has a screen that plays video programming. 
if your minivan can play video programming, it must have accessible controls. Please note that video programming is described as programming comparable to traditional television programming. The accessibility rules apply to these devices and to any pre-installed apps or video players that come with the device. The rules also apply to apps or players that a user is directed to download from the manufacturer or seller. So the accessibility rules are not applicable to any old app you can find in an app store, but many of these devices come preloaded with hundreds of apps. These devices must be accessible if they're manufactured on or after December 20th, 2016. So you can now find newer, accessible, off-the-shelf TVs from multiple manufacturers virtually anywhere, along with accessible DVD players and, if they're still making them now, VHS players, if that's your thing. <laughs> All of these devices must have a simple and easy-to-use mechanism to activate the secondary audio stream, something like a button key or icon. Needless to say, the last 10 years have brought about significant changes for the better in providing accessible communication services and devices. So what comes next? We are busy at DRO preparing a notice relating to the biennial report to Congress on the accessibility of communications technologies, which is due on October 8, 2020, the 10th year anniversary of the CVAA, as required by the Act. The notice will ask detailed questions about the extent to which accessibility barriers still exist with respect to new and existing communications technologies. And we encourage you to provide input. Common due dates will be announced via access info at FCC.gov, the FCC's disability-specific listserv that will keep you apprised of all the FCC's disability-related work. And I encourage you to sign up for that listserv if you haven't already. It has a lot of very valuable information. The CVAA gives the FCC authority in 2020 to also expand the number of television markets where TV stations must provide audio-described programming. We hope to have more news on that later in the coming months. Last but not least, I want to mention the Commission's Disability Advisory Committee, the DAC provides advice and recommendations to the Commission on a wide variety of disability-related issues within the FCC's jurisdiction. The DAC is in its third two-year term, and Will Shell, who's here today, is quite involved as uh, the FCC's main liaison with the DAC. It provides a means for stakeholders with interest in accessibility issues to exchange ideas, facilitates the participation of consumers with disabilities in proceedings before the FCC, and assists the Commission in educating the greater disability community and covered entities on disability-related matters. Tony Stevens is the designated ACB representative for the DAC, and we appreciate his help on the DAC. And the next DAC meeting actually is this Wednesday, February 26th. You're invited to attend in person, if you wish, at the FCC, or you can watch it live on uh, the web at FCC.gov backslash live. We'll be launching a new working group at that meeting that will examine best practices for audio description quality. Stay tuned for more details about that initiative as well.
You can ask further questions by emailing dro at fcc.gov. We can answer your questions, or you can go to our website, which has lots of really great information about these rules and more, at fcc.gov backslash accessibility. Finally, I again want you to monitor our disability rights activities by signing up for our listserv. You can send an email asking to subscribe to accessinfo at fcc.gov. We look forward to continued collaboration with each and every one of you. Thanks for making a difference with your work in the accessibility space. Thank you. That was Diane Burstein from the Disability Rights Office at the Federal Communications Commission. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. You have questions about the 2020 census, and we have answers. Let's go to caller number one. Well, what is it? Good question. It's a simple questionnaire that counts everyone living at your address on April 1st. Next caller. So why should I take it? Because it guides how billions in funding gets used each year for things like clinics, fire stations, public transit, and so much more. Caller three, go ahead. What's it have to do with representation? Well, your state's population determines the number of seats it has in the U.S. House of Representatives for the next 10 years. Next. How do you take it? Just look for an invitation in the mail starting March 2020, then complete it online, by phone, or by mail. Let's go to our final caller. Is my information safe? Yes, it can't be shared with anyone. It's the law. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to shape your future. Start here. Learn more at 2020census.gov. The 59th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind will be held from July 3rd through 10th, 2020 in Schaumburg, Illinois. The headquarters is the Renaissance Schaumburg Convention Center Hotel. The room rate is $94 per night plus tax, which is currently 15%. To make reservations via the telephone, call 800-468-3571. That's 800-468-3571. This is a central reservations number, so be sure to ask for reservations at the Renaissance Schomburg Convention Center Hotel. Due to a limit on the number of characters in the reservations code software, the block is listed as A-M-E-R-I-C-N-C-O-U-N-C-L-B-L-I-N-D. You will notice that American is missing the second A and council is missing the I. Rooms must be reserved by June 10th to guarantee the convention rate. Once again, the phone number for reservations is 800-468-3571 or visit the convention page at acb.org. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. ACB Reports.